Amen. Take your seats again. I said, don't get too carried away. <laughs> All right. Okay, we won't be long this morning. I'm just going to um, continue in our series in uh, John's Gospel. And uh, this morning we land in John chapter 10. And the theme of this chapter is that Jesus is the Good Shepherd. You know, when Jesus saved us, he didn't just take away our sins, as we've heard, and make us righteous with God and give us the gift of eternal life, as fantastic as that is, but he became our shepherd to care for us. We are his sheep. And uh, when you look at the, the Bible, you know that sheep and shepherd play quite a prominent part all the way through. And that's because basically... Israel, the land, the terrain of Israel is, is more pastoral than it is, than it is agricultural. The, the central plateau that runs most of the length of the land is fairly stony, so it's not good for crop growing, but it is good for sheep grazing. And so uh, that's part of the, the, the makeup of the nation of Israel. And so it's not surprising that often we read that God is the shepherd of his people. Uh, Ezekiel says that, um, Jeremiah said that, and of course we all know David wrote that classic psalm, Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures, he leads me beside the still waters. Everybody knows that beautiful psalm. And uh, this is a part of the, the fabric of Israel, the land and the people. And so Jesus then introduces himself or announces himself in this chapter as the good shepherd now we've got to see this against the backdrop of what we saw last week and that is that the the leaders of the people of israel were bad shepherds the way they treated the people was terrible they they only used them for their own advantage uh, they abused them we saw that with that man that jesus healed the man that was blind and Jesus gave him his sight back and they tried to get this man to side with them against Jesus. He wouldn't do that. So they ended up not only insulting him and abusing him, but excommunicating him. So that's the backdrop of what Jesus was saying now. He's contrasting that kind of shepherding with the good shepherd that he is. So we're going to look at that. Uh, we start at John chapter 10, verses 1 through to 6. Most assuredly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs up some other way, the same is a thief and a robber. But he who enters the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the doorkeeper opens, and the sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. And when he brings them out, his own sheep, uh, he goes before them. And the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. Yet they will by no means follow a stranger, but will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of strangers. Jesus used this illustration, but they did not understand the things which he spoke to them. So we're going to look at this, first of all, as I said, Jesus is describing the current leaders, and he calls them thieves and robbers. He says, the leaders who do not enter the fold by the door are thieves and robbers. What's the door? Well, the door is, is God himself. God, it, what he was saying is that God did not appoint these leaders. They got there some other way. They climbed over the wall to get in to the sheep. Maybe they had political connections or personal connections. They were ambitious. They manipulated their way into this office. 
and uh, they didn't enter through the door. God did not appoint these leaders. Now, he calls them thieves and robbers. Now, there's a difference between a thief and a robber. And try to bring this into what Jesus is saying, the, the, the analogy of what he's saying here. A thief is subtle, right? A thief is uh, uh, very cunning. Uh, you don't know what he's up to until it's too late. I mean, he doesn't announce, I'm going to break into your house tonight. <laughs> You'll be there waiting for him with a, with a baseball bat or a policeman or something like that. A thief is subtle. And, and, and he takes from you without realizing, you realizing what he's doing, right? But a robber steals with violence or intimidation. He's usually got a weapon. He usually threatens, hand over your money or else. That's a robber, someone who robs you. And uh, you can translate that kind of thing into leadership that's corrupted. A thief will, will deceive you. You know, someone who's in leadership, who's really there by stealth, he's very deceptive. What he says might sound good. He might even use the Bible. And so you think, oh, this is okay because he's using the Bible. But actually, he's really deceiving you to take from you, to, to use you for his own advantage. The same with a robber. You know, um, the, the, there are those leaders that will intimidate people. They will, they will threaten people. They'll say, if you don't, for example, tithe, then God will curse you. Or if you don't do this, then you won't be blessed by God. And so there's, there's a threat there that comes through. And that's what Jesus was saying, that there are leaders like that, and that they had experienced that already. Both are concerned, thieves and robbers, with personal gain, none for the welfare of the sheep. That's what Jesus was saying. But Jesus is the good shepherd who entered by the door. He was appointed by God. He, he, he gave his credentials over and over again. We've seen this as we've gone through the Gospel of John. Uh, you know, he said, you search the scriptures. They, they're continuously pointing to me. Look at the prophecies that, that speak about the Messiah coming. You can tick the boxes when you look at the life of Jesus, that he was the fulfillment of all those prophecies. Also, the, the Bible said that... Um, when the Messiah comes, he, there would be a forerunner to prepare the way. John the Baptist was that forerunner. He fulfilled that prophecy and, and made the way for Jesus and let people know that Jesus had arrived. And then, of course, the works that Jesus did, works that no one could do. For example, this man that was born blind, that Jesus healed, and many, many others that he had healed, as the blind man said, no one can do these things unless God is with him. They were confirmations that God was with him. And then, of course, there was even an occasion when heaven opened and God audibly spoke in, 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 in the sound of many uh, witnesses, in the hearing, I should say, of many witnesses. This is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. So Jesus is the good shepherd appointed by God. He entered by the door, the proper way, the, the, the authentic way. And he says, the sheep know the shepherd's voice. You're one of his sheep. You know his voice. Even when you, he called you to come to him, it wasn't an audible voice. You know, we don't hear an audible voice. We don't hear heaven opening and God speaking to us. But it's a voice that's within us. And so when we heard the gospel, we knew it was right. We knew that it was God's love calling us to himself. And, and we responded because we, we know the shepherd's voice. And now that we are his people, we have a relationship with him. He speaks to us and we speak to him. We have a personal relationship with the shepherd. 
Um, it says there that the sheep know the, the shepherd's voice, but they will not respond to the voice of a stranger. And one of the commentators that I read on this, he said uh, that there was a situation he observed where, where someone pretended to be the shepherd. He put on the shepherd's clothes and tried to speak in the same voice as the shepherd. But the sheep kind of looked up and they were, they were, they were confused and went into a panic and, and ran away because they did not recognise it. They knew this was not the shepherd. Now, look, there are times when God's sheep are actually deceived by thieves and robbers. We know that, but they don't stay deceived. Eventually they come out of that deception because in the end there's too much that they know that this is not one of his shepherds and they, they, they walk away from them. So moving on from there, then Jesus said to them again, most assuredly, and by the way, that, that's, if you look at that in the Greek, it's a double affirmation. It's, it's actually the word amen. It's amen and amen. In other words, he said, I'm saying this and I'm saying this with all uh, authority. Most assuredly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. Okay, so he said he's the good shepherd, but now he says, I am the door of the sheep. We'll have a look at that in a moment. All who ever came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not hear them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief does not come except to steal and to kill and to destroy. I have come that they may have life and that they may have it more abundantly. Amen. I often quote that voice in the verse and say, Jesus didn't come to start a religion. We've got enough religions. He didn't come to start a religion. He came to give us a life and life more abundantly. Amen. But here he says that he's the door of the sheep. Now, one thing that ultimately about false uh, teachers, they always ultimately harm the sheep. They bring damage to the sheep. You know, anybody that's been under uh, false teaching or in a cult long enough, you'll know that they come out damaged. They need ministry to get, to get free of that, that, that hurt and that, uh, that pain that's been inflicted upon them. But Jesus says here, most assuredly, and that is, as I say, emphatic, I and I alone am the door of the sheep. So he changes metaphors, right? He, from, the, from the shepherd now, he says, I am the door. Now, you probably know, some of you are familiar with um, the fact that the shepherd would take his sheep out into the fields to graze during the daytime, but he couldn't leave them out there at night because there were wolves, there were thieves that would steal the sheep. And so he brought them into the sheep fold or the pen. And uh, that was like, um, uh, it was surrounded by like 10 feet walls, okay? Because he had to protect them from thieves breaking in or, or wolves breaking through or jumping over. So these, these walls were very high and there was just a, a, a small narrow doorway, not an actual door, because he said, I am the door. And the shepherd would stand in the door or lie across the door, you see. And so as the sheep came in, you may have come across this term in the scripture, they would pass under the rod. He would, he would put his rod out and one by one they would pass through. He would inspect the sheep. Maybe they'd, they'd had some cuts being out there, had some grazes. So he would, he would minister to the, those sheep that were hurting. He would pour oil in and rub it into their wounds. Uh, as they pass through. And another thing that he was doing, of course, he was counting them. 
as they passed under the rod. And if any were missing, he'd make sure that somebody was there in the doorway looking after the sheep and he would go out to find the sheep. But then when they were all there safely in the fold, he would lie across the door. That's what he was saying. I am the door. No one can get in to the sheep now unless they come through me. Is that a beautiful picture? He, he basically laid down his life for our protection. Then he says, those who preceded him were false deliverers. They were thieves and robbers, and he included the Pharisees. Now, now first of all, there were, there were some that, um, sort of upstarts that took advantage of the discontent of the nation of Israel under the Romans, and they were always looking for someone that would rise up and lead a rebellion. And there were people that did that, but they were basically self-seeking. They wanted the fame of being, you know, the leader of this uh, rebel group that would free Israel. But Jesus said they were, they were really, you know, not there for the right moment. They were not shepherds of the sheep. They were ambitious. They were, they were opportunists, if you like, looking for this uh, uh, opportunity to big note themselves. But he included the Pharisees there in that. Those that came before him, the, the, the current leaders that were there, the Pharisees, we know that they were there for the wrong reason. The Bible says they were lovers of money. And, and just like so often, sadly, we see people use religion as a means of making money, turning it into a, like a money-making machine. But they did that. The Bible says the, the Pharisees were lovers of money. That's why Jesus said, those that came before me, they were thieves and robbers. But those who, who come in through the door, that is Jesus, they can go in and come out. Now that's a, that's a saying that means they're safe. You know, like if, if people were in a city, but the enemy was coming against the city, they would not come in and go out. They would, the people would say, stay in the city, we're locking up the city for your safety. So when, when, when it says uh, they can go out and come in, it means there's nothing to worry about. The shepherd's there overlooking them. They're safe, they're secure. Here's uh, that verse used, or that phrase used in a verse in the Old Testament. The Lord shall preserve your going out and your coming in from this time forth and even forevermore. And that's how it is with us, friends. We have a shepherd who's watching over us, who's looking out for us, who's caring for us, who's keeping us safe and making sure that anything that would harm us does not come and harm us. Okay, moving on. Jesus said, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd gives his life for the sheep. But a hireling, he who is not the shepherd, one who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees. And the wolf catches the sheep and scatters them. The hireling flees because he is a hireling and does not care about the sheep. I am the good shepherd and I know my sheep and am known by my own. As the Father knows me, even so I know the Father and I lay down my life for the sheep. And other sheep I have which are not of this fold. Them also I must bring and they will hear my voice and there will be one flock and one shepherd. So Jesus is the good shepherd. The wolves were the main danger uh, for sheep, of course. Now actually, when you think about it, the sheep is the only animal that is dependent upon a human protector because it's got no means of defending itself. I mean, even a goat can butt, you know. You don't want to mess with a goat. Um, many other animals 
can bite. Others have got sharp claws. Uh, some, like horses, can kick. <laughs> uh, other animals can climb up trees to, to, to be secure. But a sheep is totally helpless and dependent upon a human protector. And of course, wolves were the main danger. That's why, you know, the shepherd would always be looking over the sheep and looking out for any wolf that would be lurking nearby and would, would frighten it off. And uh, often a shepherd would hire someone to look after his sheep, you know, if, if he had different flocks. But the hireling, when he saw the wolf coming, he would just flee. He would take off. Why? Because it was... He doesn't own the sheep, they're not his sheep. He doesn't care what happens to them. He cares about himself. The hireling is a hireling. He's been hired to do the job. So he's only doing it for one thing. What is that? The pay, right? So that's what Jesus was saying. In fact, that was a problem back then, even in the church, back then, that people would use the ministry just for a means of getting money. So Peter, for example, says to fellow shepherds, Shepherd the flock of God, which is among you, serving as overseers, not by compulsion, but willingly, not, as, not for dishonest gain, dishonest gain, but eagerly, nor as being lords over those entrusted to you, but being examples to the flock. So the hireling was there basically just for the money, just for him, his, his own pay. When false teachers appear, though, the hireling does nothing. He prefers peace to confrontation because it's going to cost him something. If he takes on a false teacher, then he can get into arguments and then maybe he will, he will um, be unpopular. Uh, you know, he may be under attack and so on. So he just prefers to say nothing and let false teaching come into the church. That's a, that's a hireling. But a true shepherd is prepared to sacrifice and even risk his own life for the sheep. Now you go back to Ezekiel. I mentioned Ezekiel before. And in Ezekiel chapter 34, we read about under-shepherds who were appointed by God, that is like the religious leaders, yet they were more concerned with feeding themselves from the sacrifices and helping themselves to the wall. Look at this uh, couple of verses that Ezekiel said. Woe to the shepherds of Israel who feed themselves. Should not the shepherds feed the flocks? You eat the fat and clothe yourself with the wool. You slaughter the fatlings, but you do not feed the flock. Now you're going to read that chapter and God promises that he will send the good shepherd. One day the good shepherd, the true shepherd will come and that Jesus fulfilled that prophecy. God said that they would be removed and he would regather the sheep under a good shepherd. Now, coming back to summarise then, the intention of thieves, robbers and hirelings is self-focused. The focus of a true shepherd is on the sheep. The shepherd cares for the sheep. It's as simple as that. Jesus didn't just risk himself for them. He gave his life for them. We're saying earlier on about how Jesus took the wrath of God for our sin upon himself. It's the only way we could be forgiven. God so loved the world, he gave his only son. And, and Jesus came and laid down his life as a sacrifice for our sins to receive 
the just judgment in our place so that we could be forgiven, we could be made righteous, and we could be reconciled to God. That's what, it, that's what the good shepherd did. Thieves steal from the sheep. Strangers do not know the sheep. Hirelings do not love the sheep. But the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. And the sheep enter by the door. They know there's only one way into the fold, and that's Jesus. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except by me. So the sheep have had their eyes open. They know what Jesus did at the cross, that it was for them. They put their trust in him. Their sins are forgiven. They're made righteous before God, and they become his sheep. They enter by the door. They flee from strangers and listen only to the shepherd's voice. And, it, you know, I just love this comparison here. It's just quite amazing when you think it. As the Father knows the Son and as the Son knows the Father, in that way, Jesus said, so Christ knows his sheep and his sheep know them. There's a beautiful union and relationship with the, between the shepherd and the sheep. Very similar. Jesus compares it to that between him and the Father. Praise God. Now, Jesus said, you probably picked up on that, that he has other sheep. Up until this time, all his people were Jews and Jews only. And yet the scriptures in, in, in the prophets always spoke about the fact that one day the gospel would be taken to the Gentiles, non-Jewish nations like ourselves. And, and that's what Jesus was referring to. That time had come now where, when, when the gospel would be taken to all the nations of the earth. This time Jesus' disciples were all Jews, but Gentiles will be brought in. Here's what Paul said. This is only just even, uh, you could say, about 15 years after Jesus said that. It already happened. He's writing to the Ephesians, who were Gentiles. And he says, but now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far off, that is far off from God, have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace who has made both, that's Jew and Gentile, one, and has broken down the middle wall of separation, having abolished in his flesh the enmity, that is the law of commandments contained in ordinances, so as to create in himself one new man from the two, Jew and Gentile, thus making peace, and that he might reconcile them both to God in one body through the cross, thereby putting to death the enmity, and he came and preached peace to you who were afar off and to those who were near, to Gentile and to Jew. For through him we both have access by one spirit to the Father. And then just reading in Galatians, he says, Now there is neither Jew nor Greek or Gentile, neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free. There is neither male nor female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. So Jesus didn't just only reconcile us to God, but he, he reconciled us to others. And, uh, you know, I, I will never forget the time I was uh, ministering in, in Israel, and uh, mainly to a Palestinian church. Um, There's probably about 80 there. And there was, a, there was a group of about eight or 10 Jews who were visiting and uh, 
they, they were invited to come out the front and they were embraced by the leadership because, you know, you see the hostility that's amongst Jew and Gentile today. The only thing that can break that down, Jesus already broken it down. He's broken down the middle wall of partition and there was an incredible love and, and, and uh, unity between the two that only God can do. It's a spiritual thing. You can't do it by peace accords and anything like that. It's a spiritual work. And Jesus said, there'll be one. Uh, these sheep are not yet of my fold, but they will be coming in. By the time we get to Paul's time, about 15 years later, the gospel had already gone out and many Gentiles were coming and being joined to Jews in one new body. Okay, the last few verses. Therefore my Father loves me because I lay down my life that I may take it again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of myself. I have power to lay it down and I have power to take it again. This command I have received from my Father. Therefore there was a division again among the Jews because of these sayings. And many of them said, he has a demon and is mad. Why do you listen to him? Others said, these are not the words of one who has a demon. Can a demon open the eyes of the blind? So the Father loves the Son because as a good shepherd, he was obedient to death. God so loved the world that he sent Jesus. He gave us his son. And Jesus so loved the Father that he wanted to obey the Father. He came into this world to do what the Father asked him to do. Went all the way to the cross. Laid down his life for us. And the Father loves the Son because of his total obedience to his will. Even to the point of laying down his life. But here we see his enemies again said that he was demon possessed. But many of the Jews believed in him. We find this all the way through the Gospel of John. Whenever Jesus presents himself as a saviour, there are those who are for, there are those who are against. It's nothing different today. You're either for Jesus and accept what God has done for you through him, or you're against him. And that's how it was then. Forced shepherds, because these are the leaders, forced shepherds do not accept the truth about Jesus. They create a religion without him or in which he is decentralized, thus without power. That's the way to detect something that's not sound teaching. If Jesus is not at the center, then there's something wrong. Okay, we'll finish up with this slide. So Jesus is the good shepherd. When you look at Matthew chapter 9, verse 16, you see that when Jesus began his ministry, he looked out over the nation of Israel and the Bible says he had compassion over them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. Isn't that beautiful? He saw the multitudes, they were coming to him, listening to his teaching and he had compassion on them because they were sheep without a shepherd. In Luke chapter 15, he told that beautiful parable about himself, about the, the sheep that was lost and that was you and that was me. But Jesus went to find that lost sheep and found it and brought it back to the Father. That's, that's the good shepherd. The good shepherd says in Luke 12, 32 to the disciples, fear not little flock, it is your Father's goodwill to give you the kingdom. Hallelujah. So he comforts us and you know, don't think it's up to you. It's, God's gonna bring you to his kingdom. Just relax in that. In Mark 14, verse 27, it says smite the, smite the shepherd and the, the sheep are what? Scattered. 
he's the good shepherd, but, but we're going to see something here as we just finish up. So there are three things that, that the Bible says about Jesus. First of all, he's a good shepherd. Then he calls him the, the great shepherd. And then lastly, the chief shepherd. What's the difference? In his death, we see him as the good shepherd who gives his life for the sheep. In comparison or contrast to the thieves and robbers who were trying to get from the sheep and, 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 and uh, you know, use them and, and um, profit from them, Jesus was the opposite. He gave their, his life for them. He laid his life down for them. In his resurrection, we see him as the great shepherd. In the book of Hebrews, we read, Now may the God of peace who brought up our Lord Jesus from the dead, that great shepherd of the sheep, through the blood of the everlasting covenant, and so on. So Jesus not only gave his life for us, so that he would come and uh, save us from our sin, he's not only a shepherd that will, will lead us all the way through our life, but remember, he's the shepherd that rose from the dead. And he said, you will rise also. So death has been conquered by Jesus, the great shepherd. Because he rose, we will rise too. We've got nothing to fear about death. Because death is only entrance into the presence of God. And then in his second coming, we see him as the chief shepherd. Now Peter here is speaking, as I said earlier on, to other shepherds. And um, he says this, When the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the crown of glory that does not fade away. I love that because, you know, I know, you know we've been talking about a lot of false shepherds that abuse the sheep and, and, and uh, that sort of thing. But, you know, I've seen the other thing work as well. I've seen where pastors, genuine pastors, have uh, been attacked, insulted, betrayed and hurt by the sheep and, and uh, been treated in, in, in a number of cruel ways. But Peter is here encouraging shepherds, any shepherds that might be listening today online or uh, you know, on YouTube. When the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the crown of glory that does not fade away. It's like everything, isn't it, in this life? We don't look for the reward now. We know that there's coming a day when we will see Jesus face to face and he will say, well done, good and faithful servant. Amen? Amen. So I just want to say as we close, what a blessing it is to know that Jesus is our shepherd. When, when you gave your life to him, when you asked him to be your saviour, he also committed to be not only your saviour, but your shepherd. To be with you, to protect you, to care for you, to lead you, to guide you, to nourish you, to lead you into good pastures and besides still waters and eventually present you safe and sound in the presence of God. Amen. What a good shepherd we have. Let's pray. Father, we thank you today for your word. We thank you for the testimonies that we've heard, Lord, and for what you are doing in Africa. We give you all the praise and all the glory. And Lord, we thank you for what you're doing here in this country and in our midst. And we thank you most of all, Lord, that you are ours and we are yours, that you know us and we know you, just like you know the Father and the Father knows you. We thank you, Lord Jesus, that you are a good shepherd to us and we, we feel safe, we feel secure, we feel satisfied because you are our good shepherd. We give you all the praise and all the glory. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. Amen.